to start with us, uh, with you hearing some scripture that we have been kind of continually looking at through this series, but I want it to be uh, back into your ears uh, as we start this morning. So John chapter 10, or chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And then John chapter 12, starting with verse 44. Jesus cried out, the one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Last week, uh, we talked a little bit about the Greek word cosmos, uh, which is where we get the word cosmos, uh, but where we see this, this, this word throughout John's gospel and where John is referring to this uh, as world. And so when usually in John's gospel, if you see the, world, uh, the, the word world, it's a tongue twister, it's the word cosmos. And so we see this, we see this throughout there. Uh, and part of what, we, what I want y'all to, to be thinking about is Jesus came to save the world, to save us, to save the cosmos, to set things back right, to set things back into the ways that he had designed them and that his father had designed them. And we come into this world and we live in this world as fallen beings. We are human beings, we are fallen, and when we look around our world, we see sin and we see brokenness. And as we've talked about through this gospel, that sin for John is separation from God, that we have been cut off from God. And so today we're going to, to look uh, a little bit more as Jesus comes face to face with this cosmos, comes face to face with the powers of this world. And as we have been kind of walking through this, last week we were in chapter 18, and, or we're going to be chapter 18 again, uh, but last week we, we looked at kind of what was going on in chapter 18. Jesus is betrayed, uh, Peter cuts off the ear of Malchus, that Jesus is taken to Annas, Peter denies Jesus, you remember that, then Jesus is questioned uh, and sent to Caiaphas, the high priest, says he's bound, sent to Caiaphas. Peter denies Jesus two more times. And so that's where we were in the story. And so we pick up today pretty much exactly where we left off. So we're going to pick up back into chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, uh, if you don't, there are scripture notebooks up here. There's some in the back. And so I encourage you to, to get one because I want to look at these words with you today. So we'll start off with verse 28. Then they led Jesus to Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would have been defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, what charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, you take him and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating the kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? 
Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own? Or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I, Pilate replied. Your own nation and chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from him, from here. Are you a king then, Pilate asked? You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this and I have come to the, to the world for this to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Verse 38, what is truth, said Pilate. And we're going to pause there. We'll come back and pick up these last uh, couple verses. But in this story, you kind of see what, what takes place. Jesus is brought to the governor's headquarters. Pilate doesn't live in Jerusalem. But Pilate is there kind of in his Jerusalem home, and it's one of those things that, that we don't always kind of see this picture or this part of the story, but this isn't Pilate's home home. He lives somewhere else, but Pilate during Passover would have come to Jerusalem. Why would he come to Jerusalem? Because his boss would have told him, you need to go down to Jerusalem because during Passover is the time that the Jews celebrate their overthrow or their leaving of Egypt and their leaving of their oppressors. And so from the Roman side, this is a political action that's going on. And so you would bring in Pilate to make sure that whatever's going to happen, that he kind of has the peace, that he has the calm of the area that he is over. And so he would, would have come into this, this area and would have been there to make sure that everything's okay. And then we have this incredible kind of back and forth. What I love about this, if you kind of break it down, you can walk through this, that Pilate is the one who is in charge. Pilate's the one who is asking the questions. But if you go through and read it, Pilate asks questions and Jesus just responds with a question. And so Pilate asks this, this question, are you the king of the Jews? And then he, he says back to him, are you asking on your own? Are you, are you asking on your own or have others told you about me? So he's answering with a question. So what does Pilate do? Pilate asks another question. I'm not a Jew. Who is going to tell me anything? What, what have you done? So what does Jesus do? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is of, or my kingdom is not of the world. If my kingdom was of the cosmos, if my kingdom valued what you value, then my followers would act like your followers. They would rise up, they would fight, they would overthrow. Now, for me, there's a little bit of this, I think this, this is something that, that's so incredible in this whole story because we could go back to Peter last week. Peter responds to Jesus being betrayed and Jesus being captured, how? The way that the cosmos responds, the way the world responds, he pulls out his sword. And Jesus says, if, if, if that was what my world was like, we could do it but that's not what my kingdom is like. And then verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from 
here. Now, what's going on? I, I think what's happening here is, is Jesus is dealing with Pilate and Pilate's vocabulary. Because in Pilate's vocabulary, kingdom is a group of people that are following a king or following a queen, but they're following them, and, and there's, there's things that you operate in kingdom. So, so what, what do we mean by the word kingdom? So when we talk about kingdom, what we understand and what we mean by kingdom is, is the way this world operates. Now, I don't, I, I just want to use this as an example, all right? I don't want, I don't want y'all to just like get off on political things. I just want to go through some facts, okay? This is my example. Back before the Olympics, y'all remember that was only like six or seven weeks ago, the president of Russia, y'all might've heard about him, he started building up forces on the border of Ukraine. Why? He did it for one reason, intimidation. Intimidation. So he built up forces and kept saying, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna put these people here. How does our kingdom of the world operate? Well, it starts with intimidation. And that intimidation leads somewhere. And when that intimidation leads some, or doesn't lead to the place that we want it to lead, if we're using this Russia as an example, what happened next? Intimidation didn't work, so then we have to move to invasion. And invasion didn't have the right effect, so invasion turns to violence. And then when violence doesn't have the right effect, then we have to push violence even farther to where women are killed, where children are killed, right? It's what we have seen in the world. But guys, it's not the first time in history this has happened. This is the way the world operates. This is what happens in the world. The escalation of violence only leads one place. Do you know where it leads? More violence. Thank you, Rita. Exactly. Violence only leads to more violence. And so Jesus here is standing up before Pilate, and Pilate says, so are you a king? And what Jesus, I think what Jesus is trying to say back to him is, if you define king by intimidation, by invasion, and by violence, that, that's, that's not what I am. That, that's, that's not what I am. I, I, don't, I don't define my life the way that you define your life. Now, you think, you know, Pastor, you're stretching because this, you're talking about Russia, this is Rome. You want to talk about people that invaded other lands. Rome is the, 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 the typical, I mean, that's, that's where we understand how to do this. This is the world they lived in. You invade and you take over the world. Why in the world were Romans in Jerusalem? Because they intimidated, they invaded, and they fought, and they won, right? That's how they ended up here. So this is not a vocabulary that they don't understand. This is exactly what they understand. And so verse 37 then says to us, Pilate says back to him, Okay, if your kingdom's not of this world, then are you a king? And what does Jesus say back? You say that I'm a king. 
But again, the problem here is, Pilate, you're using broken language. You're using the language of this world. That's not what I am. When you say king, you see a leader who intimidates, who invades, who fights, and who uses violence. And if you think that's what a king is, that's not what I am. Are you a king? <laughs> you say that I'm a king. But let me tell you, this is what I was born for. I was born. I was born for this. I have come into this cosmos. I have come into this brokenness. I have come into this system of violence to testify. To testify to the truth. Notice the article. Not a truth, not an alternate truth, not one truth of many. I have come to testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. You, you say that I'm a king. That's what you define. That's not who I am. I came not to be a king under the way you understand king. I came. I came to do something else. I came to live a different way. I came to proclaim the truth. That's why I am here. And then Pilate, very next verse, Pilate asks this question. What is, and he drops the article in Greek, even in Greek, the article's not there. What is truth? Not what is the truth, but what is truth? Now, let's just kind of for a moment, before we kind of go a little bit deeper, let me just kind of go through a couple things. One of this, let's, let's look at the, the rest of the passage. Uh, so when he had said this, he goes out uh, to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. Verse 39, you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Verse 40, they shout back, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Now, some of your Bibles will read, uh, if you have a different translation, some Bibles might read robber, thief, murderer. But this word revolutionary is it's kind of a strange, I had to do some work on it because I've never heard, till I was looking at the CSB, I've never heard it translated that way. And it's translated this way, uh, really kind of comes into kind of a later understanding of what this word means. But the word technically, the best translation of it is the word bandit. Now, when I hear the word bandit, I think of like the Hamburglar with like the little mask on his face. But bandit is only used three times in John's gospel. Three times. This word, three times. The other two times, go back to chapter 10. So if you flip back into chapter 10, chapter 10, verse one. I don't think I put these on the screen. So chapter 10, verse one, 
I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. In Greek, Leah. The first time it's used in our Bibles or in John. The next time it's used is in verse eight. Let me jump back. Actually, let's go to verse seven. Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who uh, came before me are thieves and Leah, robbers, second time. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who enters by me, he will be saved and come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. So Barabbas, Barabbas here the third time, and I, I'm, I fall in the camp. John's gospel is so well written, he doesn't, he doesn't do things on accident. So John here uses this word to remind us and to pull us back into John chapter 10, to go back into John and to remind us of what this robber does. He leads away, he leads astray. But Jesus is the one that we follow. Jesus is the voice that we follow. But the question, the question for me of this whole passage, and this is one of those passages where it's almost like there's almost too much to talk about. But the question for me that I've been kind of just going over all week is if Jesus says, I'm not the kind of king that you say I am, what kind of king is he? And I think one of the kind of the first issues we have to deal with is the way that we set up kingdoms. We have a desire to set up kingdoms. Vladimir Putin is not the first one, as I've said. This has gone on for all of human history. We have set up kingdoms. We have created kingdoms. But the problem is, the problem is I don't believe that humans can set up kingdoms without violence. The story we read in the Bible, the story we read through all of history is a story of violence. It's a story that shows us this is how things are done. This is how things are set up. Even think through, just for a second. I could go on, it's a whole other sermon. I don't want to go there because I've got too much sermon as it is. But think about if you go back into Mark's gospel and you read Mark, or Jesus's predictions, you can go back into Mark's gospel and what are the conversations that the, the disciples are having, are having. They're talking about who's the greatest. So Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, who's gonna sit at your left? Who's gonna sit at your right? Because when we think about kingdoms, we think about power. When the disciples thought about kingdoms, they thought about power. And what does Jesus say to them when James and John are having this conversation? You need to be like a child. You want to know what it is to live in my kingdom? Look at what the little kids are doing. Look at how they live their lives. Look at what they pursue. Because we, as everything in us, it's so hard for us to understand how do we set these things up? How do we deal with this? 
So let's, let's kind of deal with this question, and I'll, I'll hopefully pull it together in the next few minutes. All right, let's, let's talk about this. So what is truth? The content of truth, because I would love, this is, this is the problem at this point in the sermon. Y'all ready for this? I would love to stand up here and say to you, here's, let me just define truth. Let me tell you what truth is, and we're done. It's easy. It's just a definition. It's, it's simple. That doesn't work. So let me, let me try, try my very best to do my very best at it and do it in less than five minutes. That's gonna be hard. That's gonna actually might be the hardest part. So what is truth? The content of truth is less important than the embodiment of truth. The content of truth is less important than the embodiment of truth. And what is the embodiment of truth? Jesus, thank you. That was, I give y'all Sunday school questions regularly. Y'all don't always get them. What is the embodiment of truth? Jesus, truth in Jesus is not a concept, but it is embodied in him. In John 14, 6, when Jesus proclaims, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What? What is true, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to just define and to say, this is what true, those aren't easy things. But at the center of everything, there is a truth that we have to know. That we must hold to that truth as messy as it gets. We have to hold to that truth, no matter how hard it is to understand. We have to hold to that truth because that truth is bigger than you and it's bigger than me. And what is that truth? It's it's Jesus. How do we move towards that truth? I was reading a a book preparing for a sermon series after Easter. And the book is called The Gospel of Hope. And it's by one of my favorite authors. Y'all have heard me quote before, Walter Brueggemann. But listen to what Brueggemann says. Look at Jesus. Because Jesus confronts all of the throne talk of the world. You want to know about joy and well-being and truth and goodness? Look at Jesus. Not being served, but serving. I have no doubt that the world depends on Jesus. I have no doubt that on a day-to-day basis, the world depends on Jesus' people who give their lives. What else would you do but give your life? Would you keep and save your life and let it grow sour? Or would you give your life as a ransom? We are at a crucial moment in our society. This Lent, we are given a glimpse of a more excellent way. Local churches, local conversations, local servanthood, local giving, local cups, local baptisms to live out, local ways of being faithful and joyous, local ways of showing what true power is, and that's power for life. The story in Mark 10 with the disciples' arguments over who is the greatest begins with greedy thrones. 
But at the end of the story, the subject has been changed. Now the subject is servanthood and healing and ransom. The way to be first and great. And then he says, come and have the subject of your life changed, your throne, to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. We live in a world that wants to tell us what is true. We live in a world where the world tells us we have the truth, where a world tells us we own what is right. But the beauty of this passage and what I hope you hear this morning is at the end of the day, this is what is true. That the fundamental truth that makes it all make sense is that life is more powerful than death. That at the end of this series, at the end of Lent, we come to Easter where we realize and we celebrate that the world threw its violence upon Jesus Christ. And who won? The truth. The truth is that life wins, that life is more powerful than death, and that the greatest empire this world has ever seen threw all of its weight on Jesus Christ and lost. That on Easter, the tomb was empty. At, the, at Easter, we learn that what is ultimately true is that self-giving love results in a life that is for all. That that self-giving love lifts up people who are perceived to be less than you. That the power of death, that the power of death that the empire thinks it can wield is not as true as the life that comes only through Jesus Christ. That when our hearts are broken, when we see things on TV that we don't want to see, when it doesn't make sense, I hope we hear the words of Walter Brueggemann that say to us, look at Jesus. Look at the truth. And the truth is that death doesn't get the final say. Truth is, is that life wins. And truth is, is that that life comes through a cross, through a savior. And at the heart of the gospel is our belief and our understanding that life wins, that death is defeated. And guys, as we come this morning, we come in the midst of Easter, we come in the midst of, or in the midst of Lent, headed towards Easter. But my hope and my prayer is, is that when we live in a world who constantly wants to tell us this is what truth is, who constantly wants to tell us this is what is right, that we hear the story of our Lord saying to Pilate, I don't define those things the way you define them. Kingdom is not defined by greed. Kingdom is not defined by violence. Kingdom is defined by a basin and a towel. Kingdom is defined by words like, only a true friend gives his life for another.
The kingdom is defined by service, by changing the way the world sees what is true. And as the people of God, we have what is true. Today, as we close, uh, we're going to close the way that we have been closing. That this morning, if you come and you uh, do not know that truth in your life, that Pastor James would love the opportunity to pray with you down here at this altar. If you come needing healing in any way, physical, emotional, uh, however that might be, uh, that I would love the opportunity to pray with you, to anoint you right here at this altar. But for some of us too, we might come this morning with the question, what is truth? Living in a world where the world wants to tell us what truth is, that we need to be reminded of the words, that at the end of the story, it is life that wins. The truth, it's not a concept, but our Savior. That we look to him for the life, that we look to him for what is true. And in the center of all of it, we know that we are nothing without it. Maybe we just need to come sometimes to an altar and to say, Lord, I'm lost, I'm hurting, I, I'm overwhelmed by what I see in the world that these kingdoms don't bring life. And Lord, I need that life. I need to be reminded of what truth is. And if that's you this morning and you just wanna come and find a place at one of the other two altars, I just invite you to come and just say, Lord, refocus my life. I've looked at too many other things and thought that they were truth. They aren't truth. What I want to claim my life is you. Not what's on the news, not what's, by, what's said by a party, not what's said by a government, but you. You are what claims my life. Let us stand as we sing.